0: When someone says Bahamas, the first image that pops into your head would probably be turquoise blue ocean and a white sandy beach. Disaster, destruction, and depression are most likely not the things you would think of. Hi, I'm Bryant Wright, the president of Send Relief. On September 2nd, 2019, Hurricane Dorian slammed into the Bahamas and 74 people were killed. It was the worst natural disaster residents had ever experienced. Almost as bad as what happened on that day was what happened in the weeks and months that followed. Sin Relief partners, David and Joe Brown, will tell you that for their neighbors, the hurricane was terrible, but the trauma that followed was almost unbearable. I've had the privilege of serving alongside David and Joe as we ministered to Venezuelan refugees on a recent mission trip there, and he shared the agony of what they experienced in the Bahamas. So in this episode of the Stories of Hope, we travel to the island of Grand Bahama and hear how David and Joe are meeting needs by healing hurts, and as they do, God is changing lives. Here now is their
1: story of hope.
2: We had been traveling around on Abaco for about 30 minutes when I told Joe, I said, this is horrible. And we realized there was nobody there except people that were recovering bodies. There were no dogs, there was just nothing on Abaco Island. In the fall of 2019,
3: a category five hurricane roared across the Eastern Atlantic Ocean. People in the Bahamas will never forget the name. It was called Dorian and it was the most devastating storm to ever hit their island. Dozens of people were killed, and in the days and weeks following the storm, hundreds more were declared missing. With 185-mile-per-hour winds,
2: Hurricane Dorian did $5 billion worth of damage. I think there were five buildings that were left over eight feet of water stood on the airport for two days and it was just an amazing thing to see what was once hangars what was planes that had been scattered in some areas that had not moved off the airport since the storm came through stories of hope is a
3: podcast about people around the globe who are meeting physical needs and sharing christ's love in this episode Send relief directors David and Joe Brown tell an impossible-to-forget story about what happened when disaster came to the Caribbean. This is episode number 72, After the Storm.
2: when we were able to charter a plane and get out to Abaco Island, it's some of the worst disaster I had ever seen. We had been traveling around with national partners in the convention, and we're looking at just basically matchsticks of what was once houses, buildings that were splintered, metal buildings that were twisted like aluminum foil. It was horrendous. (laughs) We had been told that thousands of people had died on the Abaco Island because a large portion of the people on that island were not legally processed and from Haiti, and they lived sort of in, in a shanty town that was completely erased. Because of the nature of island life,
3: everyone knows everyone else on Abaco Island. That means every single person here, every single person in the Bahamas, was affected by Hurricane Dorian. In their travels, the Browns discovered that even people who'd not lost a family member to the storm knew
2: someone who had. In the Bahamas, everybody understands and knows everybody else. Travel among the islands is uh, frequent, and we began to see that as we worked with local pastors on the island, everybody was affected. So we began focusing on feeding projects, and uh, simple things like laundry facilities and children's activities for people in and around Nassau.
3: As they coordinated relief efforts, the Browns built trust with the Islanders and began to hear their stories of trauma and survival. As a trauma counselor, Joe in particular was able to be a listening ear in their time of mourning.
1: It's a long, long process for grieving because many of these children saw their families swept out to sea. It is just horror what they saw.
2: I remember one story that really touches our heart, and a young mom who was caught up in the rising waters had clutched her six-year-old boy and a baby, one that had to be carried, about eight month-old baby. And the waters kept rising and rising and rising. And at one point, in order to stay afloat, she had nothing to cling to. She had to let go of her older son. And she knew that by letting go of one child, you know, the chances of him dying was real. And imagine her having to make that decision. <laughs> will the baby live or will the older son live? You know, that story had a happy ending because as the water subsided and they were later reunited, they found that the boy had survived the flood after he was swept away and was reunited with his mother. But think about the trauma that that son will have to deal with and understanding that his mom let him go in the midst of a crisis when he needed her most.
3: Sadly, this story was not a unique one as more people shared their
1: tales of survival. One of the projects that we were able to help the convention with was to send counselors to various areas. And one of the pastors went to the schools in New Providence and Nassau. And one of the children came up to him and just sat there and started crying. She was in the shelter because her island was obliterated. And finally, he just said, I sat with her. He said, I didn't know what to do or what to say. The child was like eight years old. Finally, he said, do you want to talk? And she says, I saw my grandfather just swept away. And she says, I just don't know how to handle that. And then she cried some more, and he gave her a hug. And she got up, and she was very resilient and smiled at him and walked away. And he said, it just killed me to see that child going through such trauma.
3: It seemed like every Bahamian pastor had a story just like this one. These were the families David and Joe had come to serve and Joe was able to encourage them in the weeks following the storm.
1: I was able to teach a trauma healing class in Nassau in the November after it occurred, and I had 10 people in my class. They were excited that this tool gave them the ability to help their people. Instead of foreigners coming in and doing things for them, this gave them a tool that they could use.
2: People are traumatized in seconds and they carry along the, the difficulty of being able to cope with life and nightmares and just their whole life has been changed. So things like the trauma counseling that Joe trained other counselors to do obviously provided great tools that helped local pastors and counselors through our network of churches on the Bahamas to use this as a ministry link to reach into their communities, to help children as well as adults in dealing with the trauma they experienced. This was especially helpful for pastors and spiritual
3: leaders who themselves were not left unaffected by the storm. They were left with the difficult task of not only comforting their own families, but also serving as the backbone of their suffering communities.
1: The resilience of our pastors and other people on the islands as they ministered to their neighbors and their friends was amazing to behold. Here they were hurting. They had lost family members. They were traumatized in their own right, and yet they were helping clean out debris. They were holding and hugging each other. They were coming to the churches the churches in these communities are like the hope. Whether they're Christians or not, it does not matter. The churches are a lighthouse for the communities.
3: As David and Joe stayed on the islands for weeks and months after Dorian's initial impact, They made it a priority to both emotionally and physically support these pastors as much as they could. That meant partnering with Southern Baptist Disaster Relief teams in the construction of their places of worship.
2: Part of our disaster response centered around the rebuilding of these churches on Grand Bahama with the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Network in partnership so that these Community hubs could be up and continue to to be a resource to the communities that they serve. They're not large communities, but it's a place where people come to socialize, they come for help, they come for opportunities for worship, they come to do all kinds of social things.
1: We love the DR network and we love the volunteers and we appreciate everything that they do to sacrifice to come and help during a disaster.
2: The Bahamas was hot. The areas where we were working didn't have uh, power or bathrooms. Everything that we had to carry in for a day's work we had to bring with us. These volunteers from the U.S. stepped up to the task and did an awesome job in sacrificial service to their brothers and sisters in the Bahamas.
3: Volunteer teams continued to help David and Joe in their relief projects and together they were able to establish feeding centers to ensure terrorized families got emergency food rations. By holding food distributions at local churches, David and Joe were able to strengthen the relationships between the churches and their communities, cementing valuable gospel relationships for years to come. Joe also continued trauma counseling programs with local community and church leaders, equipping them to face the coming months with practical tools for finding healing and wholeness for them and
0: their families. This is Bryant Wright. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories of Hope. If you'd like to learn more about how you and your church can partner with people like David and Joe and help communities all around the globe recover from disasters, you can visit Sin Relief Online at SinRelief.org. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to Stories of Hope. You'll automatically get a new episode every two weeks. Go to Apple or Spotify Podcast and search for Stories of Hope. And finally, if you like what you've heard here, rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcast. That'll help other people find us and enjoy these stories too. Join me in two weeks for another episode of Stories of Hope.